Jewish audio on Chabad.org. We are learning by the Kama Dav Gimel. We left off on Dav Gimel Omedalef, eight lines from the top of the Amid. We learned the Din and the Mishnah that if two people walk into Beisdin, they're both holding on to a talus. Each one is claiming that they found it. Each one is claiming that it's theirs. The Mishnah says that each one has to swear that not less of it is theirs. Each one makes that oath and V'yachloiku, Beisdin divides the talus between them. The Gemara at the end quoted both a Mishnah and Mesech Shvuas. The din of Echenveni al Pinkasi. Then we quoted the Mishnah in Bavakam of Sumchas. And we were differentiating, explaining why is the din here different than there. So, just quickly to review the last din, the din of Sumchas was a case where there was a doubt whether my ox caused that person's cow to abort a fetus. If my ox was the cause, I have to pay for the damage. If, I, my, if that cow aborted the fetus before my ox gored it, then I'm off the hook completely. Sumcha says that you divide half of the damage. I, the owner of the ox, has to pay half of what the value would have been had we known that my ox was the cause for, the, for, the, for that fetus to be aborted. Sumcha says, Yachloika, without an oath, because that's a very unusual case. Whether they will have to swear or whether they won't have to swear, that won't prevent people trying to be thieves. It's an unusual scenario. Our Mishnah is speaking about two people harding onto an item. So Rabbi Yechanan explained that if people will get away by getting half of whatever is in their possession, by claiming that it's theirs, that can cause terrible anarchy. People are going to push it and go into thievery. So to prevent people from making such claims and from being blatant thieves, the Chachamim said that even in cases where you say Yachloiku, cases that could be common, you got to first take an oath. Now, continues the Gemara, Leymog, and eight lines from the top of Gimel, that our Mishnah is not like Rabbi Yosef. Oh, so we learned a, a Mishnah again in Shvuas, that was Bananas. We learned Bavakama, the Sumchas, and now we're going to learn Rabbi Yosef, that we'll learn in Bavamitzi and Daflamet Zayin. What's the case of Rabbi Yosi? Let's speak it out by heart. It's Kavalika cases. You have a person that's a trustworthy person. He's a Shoimer. Two people asked the same Shoimer. Shoimer will call Reuven. Person number one tells Reuven, here, I have $100. Watch it for me. Okay? Shimon goes over to the same Reuven. Number two goes over to the same Reuven. And he tells him, I have $200. Watch it for me. Fashtes, Reuven has under his custodianship $300, 100 from one, 200 from the other. Doesn't remember which one belongs to which one. Both of these people, each one is claiming, I'm the one that gave you $200. Now what do you do? So there we have a machleke, Tanakama and Now, he has $300. Think about it. Regarding 200 of the 300, there's no debate over here. Everyone is in consent. 100 belongs to one. 100 belongs to the other. What are they fighting about? The third 100. And as we spoke out in last year, here no one is a muhzak. No one is a muhzak here. So now your question will be, sometimes we say called the alam gvar. Here the rule is, yei munach and again, that's the Machlekes, that's where Rashi says, Yehimunach, under the possession of the custodian. On which Toysavis and Bavakama and Dafkuf Gimel disagrees. And says it's given to Beisdin, and Beisdin holds on to it until Aliyah Novi will come. Comes along Rabbi Yaisi. Let's read inside the words. 
And Abiyasi says, Im Kain ma hifsid Ramoi. How, what will the Ramoi, what will the deceiver lose by lying? We have to penalize the deceiver. How do we penalize the deceiver? You know what Rabbi Yaisi says? The whole $300. Now that's, that's smart. If it works. But that's a smart approach. So this is done to discourage Ramoy. According to the Chachamim, the Ramoy is not losing anything. He got away by hurting someone else. He got back his $100. And his friend has $100 less. We'll get in it. Oh, very good. So one second. So the question here is, the Elo, Rabbi Yossi says, So what's the question? If our Mishnah would have been Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi would have said here the same thing. That the whole thing, So again, the Gemara counters the same logic that we had on that base on that base. Hold on, you must be misunderstanding our Mishnah. Because if you are, are understanding our Mishnah correctly, the problem will be that not only are we not like Rabbi Yaisi, we're not even like the Rabbanon. Why not? Because even the Omni Rabbanon, Hashad the Chachamim say like Rabbi Yaisi that the money upon which there is a dispute, he also says, What is this dispute in our Mishnah? On the whole Talus. This Talus should be like the third hundred mana, like the third hundred. The last three hundred of the three hundred dollars. Hanami Kishar Dame, this fake he, Gavaldike question, the ownership of the whole talus is in doubt. So, and therefore, what's the point? The point is that Mustama, we're not even understanding our Mishnah. Says the that's not true. Hi, my, that's, that's not a way of thinking. If the author is the Rabbanon, it works. Why does it work? Because Hasam, the Vadai, Haimana, the Chad, Minayu. Like we spoke at the end of yesterday's share. Previous share. Very good. There, one of them is lying. Only question is, who was the one that gave the Reuven? Was it number one? Was it number two? But uh, therefore, the Chachamim say, since dividing it is not just, therefore he says, But Hachi again, that since the Ikalamim the Tavayhu, it's possible that it belongs to both of them. It's possible that they picked it up at the same time. It's possible that the seller intended to sell it to both of them. So that's why Yitaka have to make an oath, like Rabbi Yechanan says, not to, not to, to disencourage anarchy, to prevent, anarchy, to prevent people from stam governing. But the concept of Yachloiku works. Palgi Bishvua. But Elo, we're going back to the point. Elo i Amrat Rabbi Yisihi. Now look at the logic. Hash to Uma, Hasam. That if over there the Bavada Ikemana Lamar, the Ikemana Lamar, each one for sure owns a mana. The first hundred. Nevertheless, Amrat Rabbi Yisihi Munach Achi Yavayelio. In order to thwart the deceiver, and even though it's going to deprive the deceiver of what's his. We know one is a deceiver. And we know, Rabbi Yaisi knows that by saying that all of 300, Yehimunach, says the deceiver won't get what's rightfully his. Here it's possible. Here, more, here that it's possible that when you are thwarting the deceiver, you won't even be withholding something that says. It could be one guy picked it up. Could be the only belongs to one. It doesn't belong to the other one. So the Ramai, 
who, who is the liar, when you say Yehei Munach, he's not, you're, not, you're not depriving him of what's his. Less of an avla is happening. Then for sure you should say it. Says the Gemara, Filatim Look at this logic. Hasam vada That's the key. Over there, one for sure is a deceiver. So, you, so therefore, Yehei Munach. Because the intent, as we'll see in a moment, you're thwarting the deceiver. You don't want the deceiver to benefit. Who is the deceiver? We don't know, but we have a deceiver. Over here, mi yemer di Here we don't know whether there's a deceiver. Could be they both picked it up together. So saying yehei munach is not fear, when you don't even know there's a ramoy. How would we benefit the deceiver saying if we split it in that case? One more time. In the case of no, Rabbi says that you, all the 300 goes yehei munach, you're trying to thwart the deceiver, even though you know that you're taking away what's rightfully his. That was the question. But there you know there's a deceiver. So there's a, there's a logic, Rabbi Yassi says, to thwart the deceiver. Here, how do you know there's a deceiver? Yehi Munach is an avla because maybe there's no deceiver here. Adarabah, maybe they both picked it up together. And, and Yachleiku is just. We're not speaking even about the Shvua. That was yesterday, last year. Here we're focusing on Yachloiku versus Yehimunach. When do we say Yehimunach? When do you say Yachloiku? Toysavis we spoke out only addresses Kol Da'alam Gvar. For that he says, Kol Da'alam Gvar when there's no Muchzakim. When it comes to Yehimunach, it's not about whether you're Muchzak or not. This is the concept of Yehimunach. Now, Inami, another answer, Hasam over there, Kanis Leirab Yosi Leramoi. The reason why we are penalizing the Ramai, it's not just to penalize him. We want to motivate him to admit. That's the upside. It's worth it to deprive people from what they really have because you might end up doing real justice. That's the upside. Hachi over here, my Pseido Islay Deloidi. He's not motivated to admit. Over there, 100 belongs to one, 100 belongs to the other. Here, the one who's lying has nothing. I, got, I found it before you, before the other person. That person is trying to steal from me. If I won't get it and he, don't, he won't get it, there's no upside for him. What will help him? So the Gemara counters by saying that is not a good differentiation between our Mishnah and later Daflamet Zayin, Abiyosi, because that only works in the case of Metziah. But in the case of Mekachum Memkar, that logic doesn't work, and Rashi says very importantly, because if we would, to motivate the Ramayi to admit, if there's a way to bring pain on him, there would have been a way to do it by Mekachum Memkar, which would have been, not that the seller should give back the money to whoever is not getting the talus. That Beisden should take the article, and they should take the money. And like this, the Ramoi, what's, what's the Ramoi? That Reuven was the one that really bought it. Shimon is the Ramoi. If Beisden would say everything is then Shimon would at least want his money back. So here we would have the concept of it's worth it to penalize in order to get him to admit. So the Gemara backtracks and the Gemara says, the real reason why here you have Yachloiku and not Yehei Munach is Kiddush Anin Meikara. It's like we answered at first, which is 
because when we don't know for sure that there is a Ramai, you can't say, take everything away from everyone, yehi It's not right. Maybe there's no Ramai. Very good. Now, asks the Gemara, one second. Now let us compare the Mishnah and Daf Lamed Zayin, this Rabbi Yossi and the Rabbanon, versus the Mishnah we spoke out on last year from Masech Shvois by the Chenvani al over there by the Chemini Al Pinkasai. What did we learn over there? And according to Bananas, Nach Besser, you don't even have to swear, but you have a concept of Yachleichu, same thing. Why don't we apply the concept of Yehimun Why over there? The Balabas is mamish double losing. Understand he has to pay. Let me quickly review the case. So you have a Balabas, an employer, who told a storekeeper to pay his workers. They were like the bankers. And to write it in the ledger, all storekeepers, even today here in the neighborhood, they have a notebook and they write which family owes them how much money. So write that I owe you money. Now what happened is, is that the storekeeper came to collect from the Balabas. He says, I paid them, pay me back. The workers came to their employer and says, they now they got paid. So both the Chachamim and Bananas, they both say the, the Balabas has to pay twice. With an oath, without an oath. But why didn't you say Yehi Munach? If the criterion is whenever there's a Ramoi, to motivate the Ramoi, you, you take the money away. Yehi Munach, why didn't you say it over here? You, you should, you, the Balabas should take one payment and he gives it to no one. So why should he pay to the chenvani, and then pay to the workers, let the employer pay to Bezdin, and tell Bezdin, because there's two, one of them, either the chenvani or the workers, one of them are lying. Okay? Says the Gemara, Omri, they answered. Let's, let's, let's read it inside. The storekeeper tells the balabas, Hold on. I did what you told me to do. My Isli what geshef do I have with your workers? And even he says further, even if they will swear that they never got paid for me, I don't trust them. I never said I will trust them. You believe the workers. You know why you believe the workers? Because when you asked me to pay the workers, you never asked for a receipt. You never said at least pay the workers in front of witnesses. You believe the workers, deal with the workers. You never told me that the Sadi Havli only pay them in front of Adam. Or like we said, only give a receipt. The Sachin Nami, the workers also, Amri, can tell the Balabas, can tell the employer, I work for you, and you owe me the salary. What geshef do I have with the storekeeper? And even if he swears, I never believed him. I never said I will believe him. They both swear and take it, or according to Bananas, they take without swearing. If you think about it, the inner, one of the inner concepts is like this, that in the case of Rabbi Yossi, in the case of Daflam Zion, one person, what's the emes? One person gave a hundred, one person gave two hundred. That is the emes of what happened. What is the emes over here? He undertook an obligation to the Chanvani. He undertook an obligation. He undertook an obligation to the workers. It means from the beginning, he was mischayev himself to pay workers, and then he was mischayev himself 
to pay the chamvani when the chamvani pays them. These two people have nothing to do with each other. So therefore he has to, at the end, he has to keep his initial obligation to both. Over here, the emiss is, this guy over here, he got from one group 100, he got from another group 200. You understand? He's a schaivus to them. One of them are liars. So here it makes more sense to say, Always ask for a receipt. Okay, let's go weiter. So now we're starting a new sugya. And begins the Gemara, Tani Rabbi Chia. It's time to know that normally when the Gemara says, Tani Rabbi Chia, it means Rabbi Chia Torah Braisa. But as we'll see in the words in Rashi, we'll read it inside, that Rabbi Chia was saying his own din. It's almost, it says, Omar Rabbi Chia. And look at this case. If one person tells the other, Mana li biyotcha, my mana is in your hand, which means you owe me a hundred. The hala Omar, and that person says, Ein klum, I owe you nothing. Now, what are the rules? Whenever you have two litigants, you have the claimant and the defendant. The defendant denies completely what the claim is against him. Koifer hakoil, no oath is needed. We'll learn later that Midrabanan, even if I fully deny, I have to take a rabbinic oath to substantiate that I take owe nothing. But Midoiraisa, a kaifer hakal is off the hook. Also, if not the world will go crazy. I'll go around, you owe me money, you owe me money, you owe me money. But if a person tells the other, you owe me a hundred, and the defendant admits partially, oh, I don't know, you owe you fifty, that is the classical case of Maidiba Mixas. From which we learned from a Pasik that we had a lot in Baba Kama and Parshas Mishpatim and Perich of Beis and Pasik Ches. There we're actually speaking about the Toy and Tanas Ganav. Doesn't matter what that means now, but you have the words in the Torah Ki Huzam from which we learned that when does a person have to take an oath when they partially admit and partially deny the claim? So Rabchia is speaking about a case where the defendant fully denied. I owe you nothing. Ah, however, but witnesses now come and say, you owe 50. So I denied everything. But witnesses say, I owe 50, says, that goes without saying. But this becomes a mixus. And he has to swear that he does not own the other 50. Why? For his own admission, which we know brings upon him an obligation to swear. That should not be greater, more powerful, from witnesses obligate him to pay part. And how, why? I'll explain it to you. I will demonstrate that I don't want Hoido Aspiv to be greater than Adam from a Kalvachimer that we'll speak out in a moment. Notice he has a Kalvachimer that he uses to say that since Hoido Aspiv is Mishayev one to swear, then for sure Adam, which is stronger, will for sure be Mishayev one to swear that he does not owe the rest. Then Rabchia added the words, Vitana Tuna. Vitana Tuna means, that's what I'm reading inside Rashi, Vitana Didon Sayata Lididi that the Tana of our Mishnah will prove that I am right. That's why people say that Tani Rabchia doesn't mean Itorah Braisa. Because if not, Rashi would have written that this Tana substantiates the other Tana. 
So Rav Chia is not quoting a Tana, Rav Chia is quoting himself. So what's our Mishnah say? Shnayim Yerchza Metalis, and Zerim Yeronim Etzosiyah, Vechulei, etc. A rule. Whenever we quote any statement from Tanakh, etc. is Vegoimer. Whenever we quote any statement not in Tanakh, etc. is Vechulei. And here also there's a difference between Chulei or Vechulei. The way the Rosh pronounces it, Chuli or Vechuli or Goimer Vegoimer. Whenever you quote a statement and your base comes primarily from words that are in the etc., then you say Vegoimer or Vechuli. Whenever what's written later is not that relevant, you write Stam Chuli or it's good to know that. So Vechuli. And we're quoting a Mishnah, it's not Vegoimer, it's Vechuli, and it's relative. It's relevant to know the whole Mishnah. Now says Rabchiyah, the toughest. Look at his logic here. Since each one is grabbing onto the talis, Anan Sahadi, the the toughest high, the that the half that you're grabbing onto, that's the way we're gonna word it, is yours. It's like Adam. Umay the toughest high the on the other half. You can argue each one is holding on to the whole thing. We'll get to that later. But this is the logic now. Each one is holding on to half. And nevertheless, what does the Mishnah say? Yeshava. Ah. In other words, even though witnesses are substantiating part of the claim, but they're not substantiating the other part of the claim, but for that I still have to swear that I get to keep what I'm not admitting. So that's Araya to his case. Says the Gemara, before we come back to this, let me hold on. My What is this? Let's read inside the Rashi. Eight lines from the bottom of the Amad Rashi speaks out beautifully, like always. Why would I even need to have a Kalvachimer? The Tesekadatan, because without it, I would think that Hoidoas Piv should be greater than Hadoas Edim. Of course, Edim are greater. In other words, without a Kalvachimer, Rabchi is admitting, if you think about it, one would not say that in our case, we are Kaifer Hakal, and Adim say that you owe half. Without a Kalvachimer, I would say you don't have to take an oath. Why? Explains the Gemara. Because Shaloi Toimar, one would say, and therefore don't say that it's only when a person partially admits only there that Rami Rachman Shvua Alei does impose an oath that he doesn't owe more than he's admitting as the Rabba teaches us, the Amar Rabba Rabba says, Why does the Torah say, that if someone partially admits to the claim against him, he has to swear that he doesn't owe the other half. Why? Why? Gavaldik Rashi Toysvist and other Rishonim. So look inside this Rashi, second line on the bottom. Why don't we say, Think about it. What's the din? The classical case of Meshav Aveda is that I find a wallet and I return it, I do the mitzvah. And when I give it to the owner, the owner looks inside it and he says, Oh, Rabbi Ankel. There were $400, there's only three, what now? Why don't you say, What's the din? The guy who returns a lost article is off the hook completely. 
Because if he won't be off the hook completely, he'll never return anything. If you find something, and you do the right thing, and that party has the power to make you take an oath, you don't need it. You leave it on the street, which is a sin. So there's a rule that whenever you're a Meshav Aveda, you're not Chayven anything. So really the question is, think about it. If someone tells me, I owe them $100. If I have the power to be Kaifer Hakal and get off the hook, then what logic is there to say that if I'm going to be Moedib Amitzas, I have to swear. Why? Why? I should be like a Meshav Aveda. If I'm going to have to swear, so I'll be Kaifer Hakal. That's the way Rashi words this question. Toysavus over here says amigo. Similar, but amigo. Migo means that since if I would have been a liar, I would have said a better lie, so they should believe what I'm saying. I could have been Kaifer Hakel. I went ahead and I admitted that I owe you 50, but Migo, I could have been Kaifer Hakel. Believe me that I don't owe you more than 50. So, Bechlal, why is there a Shvua? And the answer is, says an Abba, because Chazaka ain Adam meis You know, by an Aveda, I have the option not to pick it up. If you lent me money, I don't have the ability, normal people, to deny you in your face. Because people are not that bad that bifnei bal such a such a chutzpah, to fully deny that you did, that you helped me, people are unable to do so. Parenthetically, we spoke out in the last Masechta that the Chassam Soifer in his Shuvas writes that many of these Chazakas that we have in the times of Chazal sadly are not relevant today because sometimes people could have such chutzpah. And he applies that halacha lamaisa, sometimes then it will change. But at least here, and the way things should be, is ein adam meyiz panav ifnei balchayve. And therefore, says, This guy is not an honest person. He pushed he's unable to deny it. Turning to Dav Gimel Amit Beis. So let's go on the reverse. Really, he wants to admit you know why he didn't admit that he owes him the whole hundred? He's simply evading the creditor. In English, he's buying time. In other words, Savar, he thinks, when I'll get money, I'll pay him back. And as Rashi speaks out, words, you would think that we're going to go back and forth to this. If a guy is a Ganif, if you don't trust him, when it comes to finances, why would you trust them when it comes to an oath? So, Rabbi is saying, the Havamina would have been, Taka, if you know someone is a Ganath, don't trust them for an oath. But when a person partially admits, he's not a Ganath at all. Fakert, had he, had he have been a real Ganath, he would have been made as fun of and denied everything. He can't deny everything. So what is he doing? He wants to admit. He's not admitting fully because he doesn't have the money. So therefore, the Torah Savar, He's thinking, let me give me a little bit of time. $50 I have, I'll admit. Of the money that I don't have, I'll say now that I don't owe, but I'll give later. So therefore, the Torah says, Rami impose an oath on him. He'll admit. You know, when he admits, by the way, admit, that's the best thing. And say the Emmis, if you don't have, say you don't have, but at least admit that you owe all the money. That is what one might have thought. And therefore, one mistakenly might have thought, if that would have been the reason, how can you apply it to the case of Rabkhiya? You can't. Because in the case of Rabkhiya, the guy was Kaifer Hakel. Adim later come and say, you owe 50. But if I was Kaifer Hakel, now that Adim came and said, I owe 50, what does that prove? God forbid that I'm a liar. So why, why would you trust me for an oath? 
That's why he needs the Kalvachaymen. Avaladas Adam Dilma Delaklamen Hachi Emaloi. So Kamash Mulan, through the Kalvachaymen, that will have to explain, and that will be the conclusion that even people who, God forbid, are Ganavim, a false oath they're not going to take. And I know people can look at it in two ways. People can look at it, ah, you see those people, comes to, you know, bin Adam Lamakim, they don't take a false oath, a bunch of crooks. That's the not good way of looking at it. The good way of looking at it is that sadly, even people who are not yet perfect, perfect in one area, at least in another area, the better. And people were scared to take a false oath. People from ignorance are not scared to steal, whatever the psychology is. But the fact is that we accept such an existence. People can be gone of him, but they're not going to take a false oath. So sometimes when it comes to monetary disputes, the oath that one takes will be the additional proof needed normally to leave things the way it is. It's very rare that you swear and take money. Normally you swear, like in our case, and you'll keep the money. So he admits, he doesn't admit. Adam say, I owe 50. The guy is swearing he doesn't owe the other 50 and he won't have to pay the other 50. So now the question is, now that we understand why we need a Kalvachimer, now the question is, what is the Kalvachimer? My Kalvachimer, Right, that Gimel Amit Bey is a few lines from the top of the Amit. So look at this Kalvo Chaim. Uma piv, she'ein mechai v'imamay. One, through his own admittance, cannot obligate himself to pay money. Hopefully everyone is asking, what? Of course, if one admits he owes money, he's mechuyif to pay the money. The Gemara is going to clarify this Amish in two lines. But one's mouth, the words, she'ein mechai v'imamay, mechai v'shvuah, in the case of if witnesses who obligate me to pay is Ainardin, in our case, that asks the Gemara, what are you talking about? This is a very important rule that when one admits that they owe money, it's tantamount to as if there are 100 witnesses. Now, by the way, 100 witnesses are not greater than two. It's just an expression to show how much we allow one's own testimony to be used against him in financial matters. And financial is important, just to get off the topic for a moment, when it comes to non-financial matters, matters ain't Adam Mesim Atzmei Rasha. So we live in the Goyesha world right now in Golos, and if a person admits that they committed a crime, their admittance is like the best proof. No, it's not. Unless it's money related. And then we'll learn another exception in Toysavis before we finish today's daf. Okay, so the Gemara clarified. So my mamein, what does mamein mean? Mamein means kanahas. For example, if a person is a ganif, not a gazlan, a ganif, if a person secretly takes money from another, if witnesses testify that they did that, the rule is, not only do they have to give back what they took or the value of what they took, they have to give back double the value. Kefel. Kefel is with Tatsede. It's not a Labavach Chaylam. Kefel. And if the person admits on his own that he ganved the money that he stole, he has to give back. But that's the meaning that Piv is not strong enough to be Machayvim Knas. Ma Piv She'e Machayvim Knas. Nevertheless, my Maidim makes us Machayvim Shvua. So, Eidim Shemachayvim Oisin Knas. That's the Kavachayvim of Rabchia. Eidim Shemachayvim Oisin Shvua. Counters the Gemara, hold on. Malapiv, you know why? Maybe the mouth admitting mixas 
brings upon oneself an obligation to swear is because there is a unique power to admitting to something that that's unique to one's admitting and not to witnesses. Where do we find that? Carbon. Interesting. Now really this is a machlekes tanoim as we'll learn in a few lines. But let's say, let's speak about a carbon chatos. Any violation for which doing that violation b'mezid carries the penalty of kadis, that violation done b'shoigig inadvertently will, will demand for the person who does tshuva to bring after he does tshuva a carbon chatos. So for example, if there was a piece of non-kosher food, not all non-kosher food has the penalty of kadis. Chazer is chazer treif, but if one eats it, they get flogged. Chalev, which are fats, from a kosher domesticated animal, even if it was slaughtered properly. If one eats that, he of us. Which is why here in America and in many other places, we don't eat the second half, the bottom half of the animal. Because it's filled with chalev, and not everyone knows how to make nikur properly. Even in Eretz Yisrael, that they're, they're greater experts, it costs a lot more money. It's very common, sadly, that a person ate a piece of meat, and later he was told that was chalev, chayv chatos. So the din is that if I admit that I ate chalev, she came a chayv carbon. Look at this din. Not everyone knows this din. Toimer be'edim she'ein mechayv and carbon. And as she brings over here the din that if two witnesses testify that Reuven ate chalev, if Reuven denies it, he does not bring a carbon. Obviously, if he admits to it, or if he tells, I never knew, but now that you're telling me, okay, then he brings a carbon. But if he's saying, I know what I ate was not chalev, it's amazing. He does not bring a carbon. So maybe the reason why piv, moideva mixas, chayv shua, is because there's a koyach to piv more than edim, question, responds, because it must be, being that Rabchia brought a kalvo chaymer, Rabchia could have made svidalei, the Omar Eidim Mechayven Oisek Karben Mikal V'chaymer. Rav Meir disagrees. Rav Meir holds that if two Eidim say, Reuven, you ate Chalev. Reuven is shouting until he's purple. I did not. He has to bring a Karben. The Tanan. Omer Lo Yishnaim Ochalto Chalev. Hu Omer Lo Yishnaim Rav Meir says, Mechayv. The Chachamim Apoitrim. And Omar Rav Meir explaining his reason. Im Heviyehu Shnaim Ladeim Yisachamura. If two witnesses are believed, to testify that one did a sin for which he's going to be killed in a basin. We believe Adam is carbon hakal. Of course we believe to Adam. So which Amrulai the Chachamim thought of Meir? No. Since a person would, would be able to say, I ate a chalev, but I did it on purpose. The whole chi of carbon is only when you do something beshaigig. He doesn't have to deny the Adam to be exempt. So since he has the power to say that I did it b'mezid, so we believe him when he says that he didn't do it. Asks Taisviz, we just spoke out that Haidoas Baldin, Kimei Edom Dami, is only by finances. But how can a Jew say, I ate Chalev b'mezid, and he's going to be believed? So if you go to the second to last Taisviz in the Amid, if you go up seven lines from the bottom of the Amid, at the end of Toysviz, Zivri Yamaschal, Ma im Yirtza, Ve im Toymar, Frak Toysviz, Ve ho'eich nemon loymen meizir o'yisi, ho'ein odom meisim atzmei rasho. As we learn in the first Beirik of Sanhedrin, Gaba ployni rivi yoni liritsoyni. 
A person is not believed to say that he did something if the purpose of that testimony and the outcome of that testimony would be that he'll become somehow disqualified. When a person is speaking about something that they did in order to do tshuva, either I have to bring the carbon or I, I ate it amazing, it's even worse. In the context of doing tshuva, and fakert, I did. He's saying I'm amazed. He's regretting it, and he's saying I did it amazed because if he did it amazed, which is what he's claiming, then bringing a carbon is the greatest sin. You can only bring a carbon if you if you are obligated to bring a carbon. We're speaking about sin carbonis. So when a person is admitting to something because he wants something good to come from it, it's part of his tshuva. Then he's believed. People confess to something that they did in the context of doing tshuva, then we believe what they're saying. Gavaldik, so back in the Gemara. So therefore, coming back, Rab Chia holds like Rab Meir, so he has a skal We're not happy yet. Why don't we say, right, We had many dafim and Baba Kamal, the din of Asham Gezelis, which is, if a person steals, or if a person is holding on to someone else's money when it's not correct, and they swear that they don't owe that money, and then they admit that they swore falsely to have to give back that money, to have to give an additional fifth, and they have to bring a carbon asham gazelis. And we learned the whole time in Bava Kama that this obligation of adding a chaymish and a carbon is only when you were made. But if Adam come and say you stole, well, if it was a Geneva, you have to pay Kefal. If it was a Gezela, you have to pay just a Keren. So, and Adam, in this case, won't obligate you to bring the Hashem Gezelois. Answers the Gemara that according to the Tanah of Meir that we just quoted, Hashem Hainu Karben, and Rav Meir will hold that when Adam say that you made a Shvua, denying money, the consequence will also be a carbon. So says the Gemara, what about the Chaymish? So the Gemara says, Chaymish also. How many daf did we learn over there? Many dafim. And now we're learning a din, Tana Rav Meir. We learned Mishnayis that said otherwise. That the, all of the dinim that we learned are not only when you admit. The key is stealing without an oath, according to Rav Meir. Stealing with an oath. The moment I swear, God forbid, and the swear is denying a monetary obligation, even if I'm not Maidif, Adam come, I gotta pay Keren, Chaymish, and Hashem. So in the violent of is standing. But now we're gonna refute him. If the din is like this, when two witnesses, when uh, two witnesses say that Reuven owes money to Shimon, and two other witnesses, they refute that testimony. He does not owe. They cancel each other out. What happens if I admit that I owe money? Even if Adam say that I don't, they will not cancel me out. is even more than Meya Adam. I have to do what I said. I'm claiming that I owe, I have to pay up. This is the din of Adam Zaymimim. If two witnesses say, let's speak about money, that Reuven owes money to Shimon, but they give details because Shimon in that day, in that place, lent money to Reuven. 
If two other witnesses come and they say regarding the first set of witnesses, you were not there to see whether Shimon lent money to the oven or not, then the trader believes the second group. And the first group in certain circumstances get punished. Whatever they were going to cause to happen happens to them. None of that is, none of that is relevant if I, admit, if I admit that I owe you money. And Bezin asks me, why? So I say, that Sunday in that place at that time, you lent me, I owe you. I can have a thousand Adam telling Bezin that I was in a different location. Doesn't make a difference. I still owe the money. So there is a certain stringency that we have by Hirdas Piv that we don't have by Adam. So we're refuting the Kalvo Chaymer. So therefore, the Gemara says, let me tell you the Kalvo Chaymer. The Kalvo Chaymer is not saying that, that Adim are greater than Hoidos Piv. If one witness if one witness says Ruven owes money to Shimon, we're never might see Maman based on one witness. These are the principles. However, but if one witness is substantiating a claim against me, I'm claiming I don't owe. You're claiming I do owe. One witness says I owe, I have to swear. So one aid. You know, the $50 that they say I owe, I have to pay, is That's the Kalbo Chaymer. To which the Gemara says, no. Think about it. When one aide says that I owe money, and I'm denying it, what am I swearing upon? I'm swearing regarding the money that I'm denying, but I'm swearing upon the money that the aide is saying that I owe. My shvua is directly refuting the testimony. In the case of Rabchia, I'm saying I owe nothing. To aid them say that I owe 50. That 50 I have to pay. So what am I swearing on? The other 50. Regarding the other 50, there's no witnesses at all. You can't compare one case to the other. I'm denying that which the aid says that I owe. I am not swearing regarding what the Adam are talking about. What the Adam say, I owe, I have to pay. I am swearing regarding the second 50. It's not compared at all. So therefore, Ella, Omer Papa says that Papa, there's a concept called Gilgul Shvua, which means that whenever Reuven and Shimon are having a dispute in Bezdin, and when, and in the scenarios where Reuven's claim against Shimon will not demand Shimon to make an oath. If there'll be, in one area, a place where Shimon has to take an oath to the oven. So then the din is that Reuven tells Beis that now that Shimon anyways has to swear, he should already swear regarding all of my other claims. So let's speak about the case of a Dechot. What, what was the whole question against the Kalvo Chaymer? The question is, is that this person is swearing by the Eidechot directly fighting what the Eid is saying. In the case of Rabchia, the Shvua is being demanded for him to make on, an, on, on a demand that's not substanti substantiated by Edom. But Rav Papa says, in the case of Gilgal Shvua, in a case of Gilgal Shvua, he begins swearing on that which there is aid against him. But he might end up having to swear on other claims for which there is no aid against him. 
So, so therefore, you have a kabbal chaimer. It's just like an aid echad could bring through a gilgul shvur, can make a person swear, even though one aid can never extract money. So kabbal chaimer to aid him that can extract money, they can make me take an oath. The gemara is not happy with that because malik gilgul shvur, the aid echad she can shvur gered shvur. The shvur begins with an obligation for me to swear against the claim of the aid. It begins with that. Yes, it can be malgalgal, it can roll into other things as well. But it begins from me needing to refute that which the aid is saying through an oath. But in the case of Rabhi, the time of Aidan, the the Mamain Kamachaiv, the their testimony is not allowing me to make a shvur. Their testimony is that what? That I have to pay money. That money I have to pay. What is the oath of Rabhiya that I don't owe the other fifty? has nothing to do with the case of Eidechot. So Vaita, we're back to the question, what is the Kavuchaymer that Rabchia uses to back up his din, that even by Yerkefer Hako, when you have Edim that say, I owe Mixas, I do have to make the Shvua Maidim a Mixas. We'll leave the question open, and Amir Hashem to be continued in a few hours.